0: Hello, travelers, this is KK, your host from Travel Talk with some new insider info. I know that many of you have dreamt of turning your love of travel into a profession, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of a one-of-a-kind mentorship where I will be sharing all my wisdom and insider tips after a decade of exploration through over 100 countries. The program, called Profitable Passport, is designed to guide you step-by-step To success as a travel professional, and here's the best part, besides us becoming besties of course, the startup costs for launching a travel business are surprisingly minimal. Want to learn more? Just visit ProfitablePassport.com and let's begin your future in travel. Few foods are as synonymous with France as la souffle and my first experience was a Grand Marnier souffle. I was all of 16, and the thrill of something so decadent and legally alcoholic was indeed intoxicating. The liqueur perfectly blended into a creme anglaise. I licked every drop. The setting was an intimate bistro tucked into a side street, not in Paris, but my native Dallas the maitre d', a natural in his role, made me feel like a queen. In fact, this carefully orchestrated scene was such a departure from the chaotic world I grew up in, I was hooked. This is K.K. Robbins, and you're listening to Travel Talk. My next experience was in New York City. Staying at the plaza and long before Google search was a thing, with both hands, I pulled out the dense yellow phone book with a thud. My PI strategy, calling each bistro that sounded French, until one said, "We, oui, but of course. Within walking distance on the Upper East Side, I strolled through Central Park, bouncing in anticipation. My young palate chose only a starter of onion soup and the dessert, no wine. Looking back, I can only imagine the eye rolls that I was oblivious to. One of the customs I adore most about France is their café culture. I have now sat in hundreds of cafés in both cities and villages so petite that they had but one choice. And not once have I been made to feel as if I'm ordering too little or staying too long. In Paris, my go-to for a soufflé is le recamier. They offer a plethora of savory and sweet soufflés. It doesn't hurt that they have a darling garden terrace and the friendliest of servers. So friendly, in fact, that on that first visit, when he ceremoniously cracked the soufflé and generously poured over the Grand Marnier, he then left the entire bottle on the table with a wink. Was he flirting? The smile on my face was hard to disguise, until I noticed he did the same with every other table. I have a secret garden to share with you. I refer to it as the garden. It is perfection. It is also a restaurant, and not so much hidden as easy to miss with gigantic wooden doors only open during the summer season. Each time I passed, I envied those that were sitting at the tables inside, surrounded by the manicured gardens. Most of my stays in Paris are brief, and one thing was clear. You need a reservation way in advance. If you even approached the host without one, you were immediately dismissed. The ratings online were abysmal. Multiple posts saying how they paid 30 euros for three tiny courses that barely filled them up, 30 euros? I'll give someone 30 euros right now just to let me sit. No food required. Tap water? Sounds great. Just around the corner from the garden is Musée Carnavalet. It is a City of Paris museum. It's completely free and it has been on my must-go list for far too long. So last summer i carved out a day and made it happen being that it was just blocks away from my hotel i really had no excuse the city was going through an unprecedented heat wave with temperatures topping 38 degrees celsius or 100 degrees fahrenheit for days on end i chose my hotel based solely on reviews that described powerful air conditioning Even in the winter, I carry a tiny collapsible USB fan wherever I go. I used to also include a 15-foot cord because if you've ever tried to find an outlet in Europe, you know there is usually only one on the complete opposite side of the room. Then I got smart. The power bank. I already carried several to recharge my phone. I simply plug the fan into an extra power bank. Then leave that one to charge while I'm out for the day. Genial. The reviews were not exaggerated. My room was an icebox. It could have consisted of only a cot, and I would give it five stars. To my surprise, it was so much more. You can find single rooms in almost any hotel in Europe, but they're usually nothing more than a broom closet. As they hand you the key, you can almost hear them thinking, I'm sorry you're so sad. This single room was on the very top floor with an oversized bed and a Juliet balcony that directly overlooks the Le Marais district. As a bonus, waiting for you when you check in is their signature tote bag, a luggage tag, a French butter cookie, and a small bottle of a luxurious French face oil. Sticking to my plan, I muster the will to reach the museum. It is a complete history of Paris, a massive collection throughout several buildings, including the former apartment of Madame de Sévigné, an essential 17th century writer, female writer, for whom even the street outside was renamed. And speaking of signs, the first few rooms are dedicated to a collection of vintage signs, from Paris street signs that date back hundreds of years, to shop signs and even menus. It is one of the most popular collections in the whole museum and could honestly be a museum in and of itself. They have rooms that focus in detail on the reigns of Henry II all the way up to Louis XIV, as well as a gallery that shows the progression of the city from medieval Paris to the modern Parisian spaces we love today. I was drawn specifically to the mementos of Marie Antoinette. Locks of her hair, games she played, and one shoe. The story is that during an invasion, the Queen's Slipper was forcibly torn from the hands of invaders by an infantry soldier. The shoes stayed with the soldier's family for generations until donated over a hundred years later. When returning to the ground floor, I see another sign, only this one isn't vintage. It simply says, Jardin. No way. My heart skips a beat. I look out past the heavily draped window. Yes, yes, yes! The museum garden is THE garden. I try the door, half expecting it to be locked, and with one step, my life is transformed. I can hear the crushed pebbles beneath my feet, yet I feel as if I am floating. I approach a small counter on the other side of the garden and order a glass of Chablis with a slice of homemade cake. The girl taking my order exclaims excitedly, and with a thick accent, You are the same, as she points outside. Expecting my imminent removal, and with her uncharacteristic enthusiasm, I assume I have done something wrong. Sensing my confusion, she points at my dress and repeats, You are the same. And a bit louder this time, so apparently that language trick is universal. I look down at my dress and I see it. She is right. Indeed, I am wearing a garden. Nearby is one of the most famous squares in all of Paris. Place des Vosges. Dramatic from above, it is a perfect square of buildings with arched covered walkways filled with cafes. It has an equally dramatic history with Victor Hugo pinning Les Miserables in one of the residences. In the center holds a grand park. But I bring you here today for something else. Tucked away, deep in one corner, is a red door, open by day, closed by night. A true hidden garden with a very special name. It's the Sully Garden, the same name as my adorable niece. She totally deserves this special garden. Heading to lunch, we pass one more garden, Hotel de Sens. This one, completely unobstructed and easy to spot. I was completely taken aback the first time I saw it. The area as a whole seems unassuming, but it has an interesting history as well. This is actually the original medieval Paris. We're just a couple of blocks from Pont-Marie, the bridge that will take us straight across through Ile-Saint-Louis, the smaller of two islands that sit in the middle of the Seine. The larger one holds Notre-Dame. Crossing Pont-Marie, it only takes a few moments to reach the center of the island, each island is only a few blocks wide and takes just 10 to 15 minutes to walk from end to end. Our lunch spot is Sorza in the middle of Ile Saint-Louis. It is a cozy space with banquettes lining the sides and a singular walkway from front to back. Their prefix déjeuner, a fixed-price lunch, is popular and I am hopeful for a table. Two left. With a nod from the only server deftly handling the entire restaurant, I take my seat. No menu needed. I come for their unique parmesan souffle with arugula salad. I know, another souffle, but this is different. It's savory. After lunch, I walk the perimeter of the island, completely surrounded by the Seine. I frequently stay on this island, the same island on which Johnny Depp kept an apartment for so long. While it may seem disconnected to some, that is exactly what I love about it. Eerily quiet at times, to the point I can often sleep with my window open. And breakfast at any cafe feels local because no one has come over yet. As much art as there is above ground, the city holds a few surprises below as well. And for only about two euros, simply hop on the metro. There are at least 12 stations that have art installations throughout the city. But which ones are a must-see? I have checked them all, and I can say that confidently there are six that are finalists, with three being the clear winners. Once again, all of these will be listed in the show notes, as well as in photos and reels on Instagram and Facebook. Like any award ceremony, we will work from the bottom up. The bronze goes to Station Plus de la Concorde. You must arrive or trap down the number 12 line. You'll find a crossword of sorts. The glossy white tiles that are usually plain have been arranged as a puzzle of letters that spell out a revolutionary human rights declaration from 1789. The tiles, without breaks or punctuation, are almost impossible to decipher, yet the visual is striking and powerful. Its most famous and possibly important message translated says this, Ignorance, obliviousness, or contempt for human rights are the only causes of public misfortune and government corruption. Amazing that this was something written 250 years ago. Moving on to silver and something a bit lighter, we're going to go to the station Ach et Métier. The station takes its name and theme after the Museum of Arts and Crafts right outside. There are two lines that serve this station, so you need to be on the number 11. You'll merely step off the train into what feels like a submarine. Yep, complete with portholes and copper walls, it is one of a kind. Drum roll, please. The gold goes to station Louvre Rivoli. It is number one, And it's on line one, with only a single line running through the station. There will be no question you have arrived into this intimate gallery. Inspired by the nearby Louvre itself, the walls are a dark, rich charcoal with replicas of ancient works of art held in the museum, all illuminated by subtle spotlights. A few summers ago, while getting ready for the evening ahead, I heard jaunty, Prohibition-era music coming up from the street below. So curious, I picked up the pace and made it downstairs in time to hear their last set. The hotel had set up an impromptu collection of tables right in the street, with the two musicians, one playing a trumpet, the other a guitar, staged on the narrow sidewalk. Pedestrians were stepping over their sheet music as they passed by. It was a moment we all hoped to stumble upon when traveling. I drank a pastis on the rocks, which of course means a pastis with one small cube. Other couples, distracted by their own conversation, used it as background music. To me, it was a show. The musicians, two cuties, Joe and Lorenzo, appreciated my undivided attention and brought me into the conversation between songs. By the time they were packing up, it was decided. I was joining them and their friends for Corsican pizza. It turned into a magical night of clever, worldly conversation. I follow Joe on Insta and check out his schedule whenever I'm in town. He performs all throughout France and nearby countries, but our paths have crossed a couple more times, usually with a much larger band. Whenever he plays, it is always a scene. The people he attracts are fascinating and uninhibited. If you really want to see the French with their guard down, go where there will be dancing. From Paris to Provence, my experience has been equal. I remember the exact moment where I first realized the difference. I was in a club in Aix-en-Provence with strangers I had just met in a busy square earlier that night. As I looked around, it was as if everyone knew each other, only they didn't. There were no rules. You don't even need a dance floor. Everyone dances together. Gender, skill, age, all irrelevant. You dance as one. Join me next week in Sicily, where we will retrace some of the steps of White Lotus Season 2. Bonne nuit. Good night. Hopefully you were inspired with Wanderlust today, and I am excited to share that after much delay, a new season of Travel Talk full of episodes with a twist will begin dropping again soon.